Hey, we're so glad you're with us today. So you may have already learned this, but if not, you're probably learning this during COVID. It's something that all of us have to learn at some point in our lives. Things don't always go as planned. Come on, say it with me. Things don't always go as planned. Hey, raise your hand if you've ever experienced that in your life. I bet all of us are raising our hands right now. I mean, crisis hits, uh, finances break apart, jobs change, health declines, families explode, um, plans fall apart because things don't always go as planned. And all of us have experienced this in the last few months. I mean, none of us planned on staying home this much. None of us planned on having our jobs and our families and our education affected like this. None of us planned on having our lives put on hold. I I have a friend who's a small business owner, and he didn't plan on having his small business have difficulties. Um, I, I have a cousin who didn't plan on his company closing during this crisis. I have a son who didn't plan on his university closing and and then not being able to finish off his senior year in college and missing out on the graduation ceremony and party and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, two people that are close to us here at Pathway Church, Caleb and Kelly, have experienced this very personally. Some of you know how important they are to us here at Pathway Church. Caleb is our tech director and Kelly serves as a leader in our Kidsway Ministries. And uh, they've dated for 11 years. Can you believe that? 11 years waiting to get married until they could afford to live in San Diego. And when jobs began working out for them, they, they got engaged. Last summer, July 19th, got engaged. They planned their wedding. Got it all set. They picked the date. Guess what? For this coming Friday, May 29th. January of this year, we started meeting for premarital counseling. I'm going to be involved in the wedding ceremony. And on our second premarital counseling session, I I remember talking wedding plans. I remember um, them sharing the wedding dress is is purchased. The bridesmaids' dresses are purchased. All the, the other stuff is purchased. The little things are coming together. The invites, I even got one of these. The invites were ready to go out. This has been hanging on our refrigerator in our home since February. And then two weeks later, after that meeting, COVID-19 hit. And everything changed. (laughs) Things did not go as Caleb and Kelly had planned. What do you do when things don't go as planned? I mean, do you curl up in a ball and cry? Do you you run away as far as possible? Do do you get angry at everyone and everything around you? Do you you give up and stop trying? Do you, you know, quit life and walk away? What do you do when things don't go as planned? I mean, we all know that life just doesn't always go the way we want it to go. Many things in life are beyond our control. And and that is revealed throughout the Bible, but I think none more dramatically than the story of Joseph shows us this. I mean, without covering everything on Joseph, because there is so much written about him. I mean, Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50 covers the life of Joseph. Joseph. We're we're just going to touch on the highlights, but Joseph was number 10 son 
out of 12 sons born to Jacob. And if you think your family is crazy and dysfunctional, (laughs) Joseph was born into a family that took dysfunction to a whole nother level. I mean, it was full of rivalry and bitterness and competition. I mean, just to start off things, Joseph's dad, Jacob, was tricked by his future father-in-law on his honeymoon, on his honeymoon night, and ended up marrying two wives, Leah and Rachel. They're sisters, in fact, which even makes things really weird. And Rachel wasn't able to have kids, but Leah was, she was fertile myrtle, man. I mean, she was popping out kids like crazy. And this became the point of contention, tension in the family. Now, ultimately, Rachel had two sons, but to add even more tension to this family, Jacob, the father, loved Joseph, who was Rachel's son, loved Joseph more than any other children. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. You probably know what that is. It's a beautiful robe that he had made for him. So dad was playing favorites. And the scripture tells us that his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. (laughs) No matter how bad you think your family is, man, you should thank God your family is not as messed up as Joseph's was. On top of everything else, God was talking to Joseph about what he wanted to do through his life, how he wanted to use him as a leader. In fact, God was beginning to give dreams to Joseph. And prematurely, we really don't know why, but prematurely, Joseph shares his dreams with his family. And that's the tipping point. That's when things become explosive, volatile. It says in Genesis 37 that his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him, hated him all the more because of his dreams. And then one day, Joseph was sent by his dad, Jacob, to check on all of his brothers. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they made plans to kill him. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, and then they threw him into an empty cistern, a a well, a a pit. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, just stop and think about that for just a minute. They, you know, they had decided what to do, they were going to kill their brother, and they just stop and take a time out so they can eat. That's amazing. Just as they were sitting down to eat, they look up and they saw a caravan of camels at a distance coming toward them. And Judah, one of the brothers, said to all the rest of them, what will we gain by killing our brother? Instead, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Notice this last one. And the traders took Joseph to Egypt. You know, some of us think that we have been rejected by people in our lives. Joseph Oh man, Joseph knew what rejection felt like. Just imagine looking up from the bottom of a pit and watching your brothers talk about killing you. And then they decide to to sell you off as a slave. So overnight, you go from this pampered, favored son to a subjected slave in a foreign land. 
A trauma like this would probably cause most of us to lose faith, to lose hope, to, to grow hard towards God, to, to bottom out in despair. This, this terrified teenager is hoisted out of this pit and sold into slavery at 17 years old. Joseph's world flipped upside down. When Joseph was taken, Scripture says, when he was taken to Egypt by the traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Notice this. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, in that time in world history, Egypt was the world's superpower, and Pharaoh was the ruler of the world. And so Potiphar held a really high position. I mean, he was the head of Pharaoh's guard. So basically put it in current terms, he was the head of the secret service detail for Pharaoh. So Joseph ends up serving as a, as a slave in the home of a man who daily interacts with the most powerful ruler in the entire ancient world. And we read that the Lord was with Joseph. Read that with me again. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. You know, we're, we're tempted to think that God abandoned Joseph. But it says that the Lord was with Joseph. In fact, it says this four times in this text. It's emphasizing this so that we don't miss it. The Lord, in small caps, is actually uh, a way to indicate to English readers a translation of the Hebrew name Yahweh, the close God, the covenant God, Yahweh, the Lord, was with Joseph. Even in the dark times, even in the times when things seem out of control, even when things don't go as planned, the Lord was with Joseph. And Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. So Potiphar, his owner, his master, noticed that God was with Joseph giving him success in everything he did. I mean, when God blesses your life, people take notice. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete responsibility, administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, Potiphar didn't worry about a thing. So this appears that life is headed in the right direction, right? Well, no, not really, because things turn sideways. We, we read in verse 7 that Potiphar's wife soon began to look at, at Joseph lustfully. And she said to him, come, sleep with me. Now, don't miss this. She was the wife of a high official. And chances are she was no dog. <laughs> she was a very attractive woman that was coming on to Joseph. And I want you to think about what Joseph was going through in his own head. I mean, he's probably thinking, hey, life has not gone as I had planned for it to go. I, I, you know, I, I deserve a little pleasure in my life. I mean, who cares? What has God done for me? Nobody's going to know if I do anything here in Egypt. But it says, Scripture says, that Joseph refused. I love that. He, he refused, period. And he told her, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, look at this, because you are his wife. Because, by the way, just so you know, just so that you can be reminded here, lady, you are his wife. And then Joseph adds this little phrase that tells us so much about his heart. 
He says, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Now, now, now wait. This, this is the same God that it feels like he hasn't even been there, right? I mean, this is the same God that was giving him dreams of how he would be a leader and how God was going to use him and had a purpose and a plan for his life, but nothing has happened. Everything has been going downhill, not up, downhill for Joseph. This is that same God. Even after all that has happened, Joseph is still following God. He's still obeying God. He's still living for God. It doesn't stop. In verse 10, it says that she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. She didn't let up, but, she refused to, uh, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Then he was trying to avoid her. He didn't want to be around her, didn't want to be in the same room. But over time, she became more aggressive. And one day, no one else was around when he went in to do his work, and she came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. (laughs) So here we have, once again, Joseph getting his coat ripped off from from his back. And things go bad. I mean, she claimed that Joseph tried to rape her. You can read the account on your own, but he... She claimed that Joseph tried to rape her and, he, and she held on to his coat as evidence. And so Potiphar, when he came home, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he, Joseph, remained. I mean, he, he was moving up and to the right in his life, right? I mean, he, he, he was you know, serving Potiphar and everything was going right for him, so much so that Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his household. And now, look, look where he ends up. He's in prison. And he's remaining there. Joseph did nothing wrong. I mean, his circumstances were completely unfair. It, it feels like that. I mean, he had to be asking God, Why is this happening to me? Why are things going this way? And again, we read this this theme, this constant thread through the life of Joseph's life. It says in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Come on, read it. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Where Joseph goes, God is with him. Hmm. It says, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened to be in the prison. And once again, Joseph is being elevated to a level of leadership. And it says in verse 23 that the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Look what it says. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. There it is again. Sound familiar? There it is. And this isn't just natural skill. I mean, this isn't just something that Joseph had in his DNA. No, this is, this is a God thing. This is God helping him. This is God with him. This is God's power moving and working through the life of Joseph. While he was in prison, Joseph is befriended by some staff members of Pharaoh. And they both have these dreams that, 
you know, that God allowed Joseph to be involved in interpreting. And so, for one, Joseph tells the cupbearer that, that he would be restored to his position and serve Pharaoh again. And then Joseph says, hey, by the way, when you go back, when you get back to your position, don't, don't forget me. When you get there, please remember to tell Pharaoh my story, my situation, that I'm innocent and I'm in prison and I shouldn't be here. Please tell him. Please remember me. And so things, again, appear to be going in the right direction and maybe they're going to get better, but life just doesn't always go the way we want it to go, right? Verse 22 says, everything happened just as Joseph had said it would. But the officer who served wine did not remember Joseph. He forgot all about him. How long? Two years. Joseph remained in prison, history tells us, for two more years. But one morning... Pharaoh had had a rough night. I mean, the night before, he'd had some dreams that uh, really bothered him. And so he calls for all of his wise men and his magicians and all of those that he would look to for interpretation of dreams. And he said, interpret these dreams for me. And they said, we can't, sir, we can't. And wouldn't you know, the cupbearer was there and the cupbearer remembered that guy, what was his, Joseph, that was his name, And he was still in prison. And so he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. And he was quickly brought from the prison. I love this next line. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. He must have smelled really bad. He got a shave and he got a new set of clothes. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, listen, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that you hear about a dream and you can interpret it. And Joseph replies, this is, don't miss his words here. This is amazing. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. Basically, he's like, oh no, I can't do it. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, I, I can't do it. But, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Joseph tells Pharaoh that God was revealing to him what would take place over the next 14 years. For seven years, Egypt would have great prosperity, large crops in abundance. And then famine would hit all over the land for the next seven years. And Joseph says, Pharaoh, you should put someone in charge of collecting and storing food in the prosperous years, in the good years, the first seven years. Collect all the food you can, put it in the Pharaoh's storehouses so that we will have enough food in Egypt during the famine. So Joseph, get this, not only interprets the dream, but he gives Pharaoh a business plan. It says that Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh. So Pharaoh asked his officials, notice this, can we find anyone like this man so filled with the Spirit of God? Don't miss that. His his life was so filled with the Spirit of God. Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I will have a rank higher than yours. I hereby 
put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Basically, Pharaoh is saying, hey, sounds great, Joseph, you're in charge. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand. He placed it on Joseph's finger. He, he dressed him in fine linen clothing. He hung a gold chain around his neck. And it says, so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. In a moment, in a moment, everything in Joseph's life changed. I mean, 13 years ago, He came to Egypt as a slave. Now, he was second in command to the most powerful man in the world. And verse 46 says, Joseph was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So so just think about everything that has taken place. If Joseph's brothers had not sold him into slavery... He would not have been brought to Egypt. If Potiphar had not bought him as a slave, he wouldn't have gained the experience that he needed to manage people and to manage resources in the Egyptian context. If he had not been falsely accused and sent to prison, he would not have been known as the interpreter of dreams. If he had not been forgotten in prison, he would not have been remembered in perfect timing when Pharaoh had a dream that needed to be interpreted. It's just like the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.28, God causes everything to work together. Notice that, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, God's purpose for them. But the story isn't over. Genesis 41 tells us that things happen exactly as Joseph predicted. Famine hits the land. But Egypt, oh no, Egypt is ready because Egypt has done exactly what Joseph had said. The famine struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. And wouldn't you know it, Jacob, remember him? Joseph's father, Jacob, heard that grain, food, was available in Egypt. So Joseph's older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. Do you see it coming full circle now? I mean, his brothers came to Egypt to get food, but unknown to them... (laughs) Joseph, Joseph was the ruler for the entire land of Egypt. And after a series of events, as his brothers standing right in front of him, Joseph says something to them. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Don't miss this. Here are the brothers who sold Joseph into slavery 13 years ago. Now they stand before Joseph, the second in command of all of Egypt. And you know what he says? He says, hello, boys. Remember me? I'm Joseph. Remember what you did to me 13 years ago? I'm the brother that you sold into slavery. He has a long history of pain and suffering and rejection connected to these guys. 
And Joseph had the motive and the means to carry out any revenge that he wanted. But instead, Joseph realized that God had a plan for his life. Look what he says to them. God has sent me ahead of you. Notice that. God has sent me. Don't miss this. He's saying, in all of this, in all of this process, in all of this journey, in all of this that I have been involved in, where I have come over the last 13 years, God has sent me. This is God's plan. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me the governor, second in command of all of Egypt. See, Joseph sees God in everything he faced. He sees that God was with him all along and he realized God had planned everything. He sees that God was up to something all along, that God had a plan and a purpose. Joseph reveals his trust in God with some of the most amazing words in Genesis 50 verse 20. I love these words. He says this, you intended to harm me. You you meant this for bad in my life. You meant to hurt me through all of this, but God intended all for good. God intended it all. Don't miss that word, that, that little word there, all of it. God intended all of it for good. Joseph realized that behind all the things he faced stood a God who was using everything to accomplish his purposes in his life. God was using everything to get Joseph to just the right place at at just the right time, for just the right purpose. Joseph sees the big picture, how God was using everything, good and bad, the ups, the downs, to accomplish far bigger purposes than he could ever imagine. Joseph knew that he was only a small part in the big thing that God was doing for his people. You know what? Many of us have been hurt and harmed by other people. I mean, we've been hurt by, by former spouses. We've been hurt by a, a parent or a sibling or, or a teacher or a boss or, or maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend. We, we've been hurt by these people in our lives. And, and there's no doubt about it. They meant to harm us. But God has a plan, friends. He has a plan greater than anything you have faced. Don't remain a victim of what you have faced. God wants to accomplish his purposes in your life. So choose to follow him and see what God will do in you and for you and through you. All of this gives us a question that we have to think about. We have to consider this. Do I trust that God is always working to accomplish what is good for me. I, I don't know about you, but I see some key words in this. Do I trust? Do I, do I put my confidence in the fact that God is working? Do I, do I trust that God is always 
working in, in everything, working, always working to accomplish what is good, even if it doesn't feel that way, even if things don't go the way I planned, that God is always working to accomplish what is good for me. Do I trust that? And what you're facing right now, can you trust that God is working to accomplish his good purposes in your life? All too often we we allow our limited perceptions and feelings to affect how we view God as, as we face these circumstances and situations in our lives. We, we question if God really knows what we're going through. We, we, we doubt if God really has our best interests in mind. And that limits how much or how little we're going to trust God. Friends, I, I'm quite sure of this. Now, it's not in the text. And I, and I know... I guess I'm putting words in Joseph's mouth, but I, I really believe that, that this is what he would have said. I think Joseph would have said, I don't know why these things are happening to me. I mean, maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've been saying that right now in the last few weeks. Why is this happening? Maybe, maybe my cousin has said this. Maybe my son has said this. Maybe my friend has said this. Why, why, I don't know why these things are happening to me. I mean, for 13 years in Joseph's life, it went downhill. And God never explained to him what was going on, why it was happening. And Joseph had every reason to ask, God, why me? Why do I have to face this? I don't know why these things are happening to me. But I think he also said, but I know God can be trusted. I don't know why these things are happening to me, but I know that God can be trusted. I know that even when I don't understand, I can trust God. See, all we see in Joseph is trusting God, believing that God has a plan and a purpose. I know God can be trusted. How about you?